Well, today we're in week three of a, a three-week message series that we've called Gone Fishing. I, I've been so excited about this message series, and I can't believe, I was telling Faith, I can't believe it's gone by this quickly. Uh, this, this three weeks that we've been studying uh, th- this idea and this, this text has gone by so quickly. So every week that we've met, we've looked at Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And that really has served as the foundation verse for this entire study. And I hope you remember the scene. It's where Jesus is calling his first disciples and he says, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, Some of your translations will say, And I will teach you uh, to become fishers of men. If you remember in week one, we talked about what being a fisher of men means. What does that look like in the culture that we live in today? In this uh, slice of paradise known as Onalaska and lacrosse and in the, in the surrounding areas. So as we look to God's word, we see that every person has this call to follow Jesus. And we do that by learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. Um, really, I've, I've come across no better definition of what a disciple is than that. Uh, a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to live like Jesus. We also talked about the mission that God has given us as individuals and the mission that God has given us as a church, the mission to fish for men. You know, I believe that there are people in your life that God wants you to influence and invite to Christ and the church. And, and I believe that the time to fish, the time to be active in that call and active in that mission um, is in this time and in this place. It's right now. There's there's an urgency to the call and an urgency to the mission that God has given us. Uh, Last week, we talked about how every person is uniquely created by God to uniquely influence and invite. As we learn from Jesus to live like Jesus, we see that Jesus used many different uh, what we've called fishing styles uh, as he came in contact with people in his time and, and in his day. You know, he fished with, with a relational fishing style, uh, going deeper than your, your typical surface-level conversation. He really sought to get to know people, their hurts, their struggles, what they were going through. Um, he, he loved to gather people. He used the gathering fishing style. So he'd gather people over food and, and fellowship. And we talked about, man, this time of year is such a great time to gather people in your home. It's football season, the weather's getting colder, and, and what better reason to get together than food, Right? So we're foodies, I'm sure many of you are too, and I like to get together over food. We also see that Jesus cared for and served the people around him. Remember, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So my encouragement to you was uh, learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. Find, Find your own unique fishing style because you are uniquely created by God to uniquely influence and invite. You know, there are people in your life who are craving uh, the living water that we talked about last week. The living water that only Jesus can provide. And God wants to use you um, to tell those people, to influence those people, and, and teach them about that living water. The mission that we've been given, the mission to fish, again, is an urgent message. And God wants to use uh, you. He wants to use your unique gifts to impact the people who are in your circle of influence. So this week I was, I was studying and just praying and reading and I, and I was reminded that the, the early church, uh, the early church was given the incredible responsibility of, of spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And they were asked to do that in their own city and, and around the world, to take that message as far as they could. And that's, that's really what the gospel means. The gospel means good news. And in a world that's full of so much negativity, in a world that's full of bad news around every corner, maybe 
Maybe you heard bad news this week. We get to be ambassadors. We have the privilege of being ambassadors, people who are used by God to spread good news, the best news. I love the quote, and, and I don't know where this originated from. I love the quote that says, the gospel doesn't mean good advice. You see, good advice is something that you and I should do. It's something that we're asked to do. The gospel is a report on what Jesus has already done. I love that. The gospel is a report on what Jesus has already done for us. It's good news for every single person right now, today. And we have the privilege of sharing that good news with people in their lives, where they're at in that time. Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. We've read this in week one. It's the Great Commission. Uh, A lot of us are familiar with this text. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I gave you. And be sure of this. I love this promise that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, I'm positive. I'm so positive that that for early Christians, this responsibility would have been a lot to take in. Imagine hearing this for the very first time from Jesus, being being given this responsibility, this, this task. I'm positive that this mission would have felt overwhelming at times. And I know this because it feels overwhelming in my life today. It feels overwhelming for individuals that I talk with. It feels overwhelming at times. The good news is that the early church wasn't given this task and asked to complete it on their own. And we don't have to complete it on our own either. See, when Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men or I will teach you to be fishers of men, he isn't asking or expecting any one of us to fish alone. You see, God promises that there's someone who will come alongside us because when we're in Christ, there's someone who lives in us. He tells us that that we don't have to fish alone because there's someone who will come alongside us because when we're in Christ, there's someone who lives in us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I've been excited about this message all week, and I'd like to open up with a word of prayer. Let's do that. Father, as we go to your word this morning, um, I pray that Once again, we would just be reminded of your promises, that we would claim those in our own life, and that we would be given a bigger picture, a more clear picture of who you are and who we are in Christ. And as the church, that as your word is read, and as we apply the truths that have been passed down from generation to generation, that it would be for your glory and for the benefit of of the church, your bride. Lord, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to dive right in this morning. If you're taking notes, the first thing that we're going to talk about is this, that we, we have a helper, capital H, who helps us fish. We have a helper who helps us fish. In the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, um, we'll have the words on the screen. It says this, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. You know, this must have sounded like a foreign language to the disciples. You know, before this point, all they had ever known what, uh, was, what life was like living with Jesus, physically being present, walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus. But, but Jesus continually reminded them that at some point, at some point, he would be physically going away, but, but that also at the same time, he would never leave them. You can see how this would be 
somewhat like a foreign language, something that would be really hard to, to understand. You know, if I was part of this early group of, of disciples, I would have had to ask the audience or phone a friend or something because I wouldn't have known what Jesus was talking about, and the disciples had no idea either. In John chapter 16, verses 5, 6, and 7, we read this, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. So, Although Jesus would be leaving his disciples, he shares the truth that it's actually better that, that he leaves. So that the advocate, and, and other words that translate from this words would be a comforter, encourager, counselor, helper. So that the advocate would come. It's better that Jesus leaves so that the advocate would come. We know that this advocate that Jesus is talking about is God the Holy Spirit. You see, God's word teaches us that when we hear the good news, when we hear the good news and we, we respond in belief, when we repent of sin and we confess Jesus with our mouth, and we make the decision to be baptized into Christ, um, Scripture teaches that our sins are forgiven, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, I love this, this part of Scripture. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Um, we'll have the words on the, on the screen. It says, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When I read the book of Acts, I see that this is really like opening day for the church. All right? uh, Peter preaches the very first sermon on, on the birth, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And as he's preaching, people's hearts are moved to respond. They're moved to respond because of what they hear. And after they've heard this message, they, they ask Peter, what should we do next? I've, I've had some encounters like this before. We've taken kids to... Um, to, to CIY, uh, Christ in Youth, uh, things like that, to different camps, and uh, as kids go through youth group, and then I've seen it in church. Uh, people hear the gospel message for the first time, and that's pretty rare in our, in our country, in our culture today, because people, you're raised in a house, and it's almost like um, your, your, your country of origin or something. You're just raised, and you're, you're Christian, right? Your parents were Christian, and you're Christian, and I had this conversation with, with my brother once, and he didn't see the need to, to believe, you know, to, to be baptized into Christ and to take those, those steps in God's plan of salvation. He said, well, we're, we're Christian, right? And uh, I remember talking with him about the Holy Spirit. And this is a, kind of an awkward conversation with your brother. The two of us are, are completely different. And, and he said, well, we'd, I don't want any of that weird stuff. I'm just, I'm a Christian, you know? Like, that's just how we were raised. And, and I think it's, it's like uh, being, being Jewish or American or maybe it's like being Catholic. You know, we get this mentality that you're just raised into something and that there's not the need to, to, to have that personal faith, that personal belief. And these people, I've, I've seen this in my life, where people hear the gospel message for the first time, and, and it's not this planned out um, uh, participation. It's you know, not, hey, come to the front and you know, make that declaration, or you know, go to the back. It, I've seen people respond like this. It's like, well, what do I do next? I was one of those people. You know, I've shared with you, I went to camp when I was in uh, sixth grade, and I heard the gospel for the first time uh, in a way that I could understand it. And uh, instead of coming up to the front, I just ran out the back door and I just sat there and it was raining outside. I, I remember it like it was yesterday and I just had that encounter with Christ. And, and everybody's encounter is going to look a little differently, you know, but for me, it was, it was real that day. I understood. 
And, uh, and, I, and I just, I asked the youth pastor, what do I do next? Like, what's, what's next in this journey? What's next? And these people were, their, their hearts were pierced. They, they were moved to respond. And they asked Peter, what should we do next? And Peter responds, repent and be baptized. You know, this is a personal decision that every person can and should make after hearing and understanding the gospel message. You see, this was, this was God doing something brand new. I love this. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit was present in the temple. And I love the truth that when we come together as the church, when you're in Christ, we are collectively the temple of God now. God was doing something brand new. He, it's so awesome. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, we read these words, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. So we no longer go to a place where God's spirit dwells just in that place. You and I collectively, we are the the temple of God. God lives in us. That's amazing. And this verse is a great reminder that the church is the people. It's not the building. You know, last week we talked about the fishing style of caring and serving. And I would remind us today that it's important that we care for people more than we care for the church building. That is of so much more significance. And that might sound crazy, but over the years, I've seen so many people get so bent out of shape about things that come to, to church building, the paint on the walls, the color of the carpet, the, you know, whatever, who's using this room on this Sunday. And, and we get so bent out of shape about things like that. And I would suggest to you instead, let's get bent out of shape when people aren't cared for. Let's get bent out of shape when we aren't fulfilling the mission that God's given us. Let's get bent out of shape about those types of things. The mission of of, of fishing for men. The call to follow Jesus. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, as we use the different fishing styles to fish for men, as, as we use our gifts to be used by God, remember that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. He's our encourager. He comes alongside us because when you're in Christ, He lives in you. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives in every follower of Christ. The Holy Spirit helps us fish for men. We were never asked to do this on our own. The second point that I want to talk about this morning, uh, really, I thought about before we had our our, our meeting last week uh, on Monday morning with our um, just over young Sunday school class or, or small group. That's what they've, they've called the group. And uh, we, we, st- we talked about this a little bit, but the second point that I want to mention today is that the church should get excited about fishing. We should get excited about the mission, the call that we have. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, we read these words. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with, with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, we talked about in week one 
Um, I don't go fishing for fish very often, all right? I'm not what you would call a pro fisherman. <laughs> um, I like to fish. I don't love to fish. But when I do go, the, the anticipation of possibly catching a fish is really exciting. You can love to fish or hate to fish, but the anticipation of possibly catching something is really exciting. And to be honest with you, I get excited about the entire process. Uh, getting our, our tackle together, uh, you know, the night before, uh, taking the actual trip to the lake, and then what I get excited about the most is seeing how my boys react when they actually catch a fish. And I'll tell you something this morning. Their, their excitement is contagious. Their excitement is so contagious. I could love to fish or hate to fish or somewhere in between, but when I see the look on their faces and I see how they respond, that is so contagious. There's a few words that stand out to me in, in the book of Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42 through 47. And I went and just highlighted these this week because I think they're so significant. You see, the early church was, was devoted. They were devoted. The, the early church, they were in awe of what God was doing. They, they worshipped together. They had joy and they expressed generosity. And that generosity came from a place of gratitude and a place of joy because of what God had done in their lives. The early church enjoyed being around each other. They enjoyed being in each other's company. I had lunch with, with someone this week who reminded me how important it is for the church to come together and just to fellowship, to be around each other. And I believe that that is 100% true. We have to have that element, that aspect of, of fellowship. They enjoyed being around each other. And then we read at the very end that God added to their numbers daily. You see, the church was excited. They were excited about the call and the mission that they had been given. And as a church, I would suggest this morning, I hope that we would be excited about throwing out the line to influence and invite. That we get excited about those types of things. I shared with you before that out of the 10 plus years that I've served in vocational ministry, um, there's been nothing more exciting to me than seeing new relationships form, uh, than seeing people believe in Jesus for the first time, seeing people grow as new believers and then be used by God in a significant way as they use their gifts as kingdom workers. Nothing is more exciting than seeing the gospel change lives than seeing Jesus change lives. And, and that, if that doesn't excite you this morning, I don't know what will. You know, those types of things are so exciting to see life transformation happen. What we heard this morning uh, from a mission that, that we're talking about in Sunday school, just that very thing, the excitement, the, the anticipation of seeing lives change right before your eyes to see God do what only He can do. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to use you to influence and invite others. And as, as we're given a greater vision for how to do that as a church, we should grow in excitement as lives are changed. We should get excited about our children's ministry in the church, all that God's doing with the young people in our church. We should get excited about the youth ministry and support our, our, our youth coaches, our youth workers, our, our youth director, and be praying for, for discipleship to happen, for lives to be changed. We, we should get excited about our Sunday school classes and our small groups that are meeting because when people meet, they're, they're able to connect with each other, to, to grow in faith and serve God by using their gifts. We should get excited about worshiping together, about giving generously, about enjoying each other's company. You know, when we live in awe of what God is doing, when we stand back and just live in awe of everything that God is doing, I believe that God will add to our numbers. 
And I'll suggest this this morning, that as I read the words that were so important to the early church, that as you begin to take away that aspect of what what being the church really means, if you take away those words, if it's not a part of of what we're about, I don't believe that God's going to add to our numbers. I believe that those things are a direct result of a growing and healthy relationship with Christ. To be in awe, to live in it with excitement, to be generous, to, to have joy, to gather with one another, to be devoted to the, the call and the mission that God has given us. I believe that God will bless our efforts. When we live in awe of what God is doing, when we're excited about the mission, I do believe that He will add to our numbers. So the second point is let's get excited about fishing. You know, the church should be excited. The third thing and the final thing I want to talk about this morning is this, is that there are, are more fish than fishermen. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, we read these words. Um, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were, they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into the fields. See, Jesus was able to look out amongst the people and recognize that there were so many people who needed God. I believe that people are looking for hope today in the midst of their pain in the midst of their confusion. People are looking for hope in the midst of, of the life situations that they're, they're going through. And we know, if you're in Christ, that Jesus is our hope. I believe today that there are so many people in our own backyard, right outside these doors. As we meet here and we worship together this morning, there are so many people right outside these doors that are looking for hope. I believe that there are people that are ready to give their lives to Christ, and it might be that they just need someone to tell them how. You know, in this text, Jesus asks for us to pray for those people, and that's what we've been doing as a church over the past few weeks. Uh, in the foyer, we have our prayer commitment cards, and we've asked uh, that you guys would be serious about that call and that mission, that you would begin to write down the names of people who are in your life who uh, don't have a relationship with Jesus. And that you would actively pray for those people, that you would actively begin to find ways to influence and then invite. We want to get serious about that. We've also talked about, we've also talked about how um, God's calling us to influence and invite. And right above the prayer cards is what we call a prayer wall. And again, this is just a way to have a visual representation of what God's doing in our church. As you guys write down the names of those people, you're able to hang up one fish for every person that represents a person that you're praying for, that you're influencing and inviting. And again, we don't write the names of those people on there. It's just a representation that that's how many people just represented in this church are being prayed for, that we're influencing, that we're inviting to Christ and His church. It's exciting when I see that wall, when I see it grow. And I would say this too, that influencing and inviting um, isn't easy. It's not easy work. I understand that. I know sometimes there's discouragement. You know, you, you build a relationship with someone and, and you, you teach them, you share your story with them, you teach them about Jesus, and, and maybe you don't see the result of that. I understand the discouragement that can come from that. But I would say this, that work was never meant to be easy either. 
As many of you know, we, we came here from a much larger church in terms of, of you know, body count. Uh, the church was about 1,000 members, and the children's ministry every Sunday was, was bursting at the seams with kids. I mean, I think there was probably 30 or 40 kids in the classroom with, with our boys. Uh, the youth ministry, we're, we're actively making disciples. Um, every year, just, I would say, 20, 30, 40 kids would, be, would give their life to Christ. It was, it was amazing to see that happen. People were being baptized left and right. They would have baptism Sundays because they had so many people that wanted to be baptized. And it was, again, 20, 30 people uh, every month and a half or so. Why do I tell you that? Well, when we answered the call to come here and to help shepherd and lead this church, we saw a church that was hungry for a new movement of God. As we talked with the leaders in this church, we, we talked with leaders that were hungry for God to move and to do something. We saw a church that, that was hungry for growth and hungry to be a church that makes disciples. And as I talked with our boys about some of the, the differences that they would face and maybe even some of the challenges for them, uh, primarily things like a fewer number of kids you know, to, to build friendships with. That was just a reality of it. I talked with Micaiah, our oldest son, and I said, you know, you're going to really have to work hard at making friends, at building friendships, at getting to know people. It's going to be hard work. And, and we believe as a family that that work is going to pay off huge in the long run. Well, as I was talking to Micaiah, my eight-year-old, it was talking about the hard work. He looked at me and he said, Dad, anything that's worth doing is usually hard. <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> and he, he kind of, he, it made me take a step back. And we've shared that story with a few of you because it's been so important to this journey that, that God's had us on and so important for this church that, friends, anything that's, that's worth it is usually hard. It's not going to be easy. Yes, there's going to be challenges and the work will be hard, but, but anything that's worth doing is usually hard. So I want to encourage you today with this, to keep praying for the people in your life who need Christ. Keep Learning from Jesus to live like Jesus, uh, Jesus. Allow God to use you to influence and invite those people to Christ and His church. Remember, the call is to follow Jesus. We do that from, from learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. The mission is to fish. We're called to influence and invite others. And the time to fish is now. There's no more appropriate time than now to be active and involved in the mission that God's given us. There are people in our own backyard who are ready to put their trust in Jesus. They, they just need someone to show them how to do that. And remember, every person here is uniquely created by God to uniquely influence and invite. I've talked to so many people over the years that thought they were meant to live their life and do one thing, and then God showed up in a huge way, and they, they ended up doing something else. You know, their, their calling, their purpose was, was unique because they were unique. Look for opportunities to share the hope of Christ through meaningful conversation. If your fishing style is relational, do that. If your fishing style is the gathering style, remember Jesus would gather people over food and fellowship. Use this season to have people into your home. Have church people and non-church people. Just get people together. All right? And just, just be yourself. Have fun. Enjoy that opportunity that God's given you. If your fishing style is caring and serving, care for people when they're struggling with faith issues. Be willing to sit and, and be a listening ear. Care for people when they're struggling with life situations. Serve people by using your gifts and your time to, to meet needs. Remember, Jesus didn't give us this mission and ask us to fish alone. You know, I, again, for the early disciples, that could have been so overwhelming, and it can for us, but we have to remember and claim the promise today. 
that we're not called to do this alone. The very God who made you lives inside of you. The very power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. He promises that he'll be with us because he sent the advocate, the comforter, the encourager, the counselor, the helper, or someone who comes alongside us because there's someone who lives in us. And that person is the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you one last time this morning. If you haven't decided to participate in uh, the prayer commitment card or the prayer wall, that you would do that today. Just right out here in the foyer. Um, you have an opportunity to write down the names of people in your life who need Christ, who need hope. And you can begin to pray for those people. This is, is a very private thing. You can keep that in your Bible. And every day when you open God's word, uh, just pray for those people. Begin to ask God for opportunities to influence and invite. Be active in that. And then right above that, we have the prayer wall. And you can hang up one fish for every person that you're praying for. And we'll see as a church how many people are being influenced and, and, and invited to, to Christ and his church. For me, it's an exciting thing. And so it's a way to be to come together, to enjoy fellowship with one another, to be active in the call and the mission that God has given us. Uh, will hanging a fish on the wall save someone? No. But I believe that you being used by God to influence and invite can soften hearts. and can point people to Jesus and allow them to have the opportunity to make that decision. It's the most important decision anyone can ever make. I'm excited. Faith and I are excited. Our boys are excited. We know that it's hard work. But anything that's worth doing is usually hard. Amen?